Network Podcast. I'm Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and uh, we've been uh, doing these podcasts for a few weeks now, and we've been getting a lot of good feedback that uh, people are enjoying uh, listening to some topics and hearing uh, wisdom from our founder, Rocky Fleming, and just hearing testimonies and, and just a lot of thought-provoking things. So we really uh, think this is an exciting uh, thing to, that we've started here. So so welcome. I uh, want to remind you that these podcasts are on our website at influencers.org. And uh, we also want to invite you to feel free to send us questions or thoughts about these podcasts at podcastquestions at influencers.org, which is an email address we, we set up. But uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking uh, to Rocky Fleming, our founder. Uh, Rocky's here. Welcome, Rocky. Hi, Brian. And uh, we uh, are going to talk today about Rocky's new book. Rocky has a new book coming out uh, that we're introducing. Uh, as a, When this podcast comes out, it will be available for sale on our website. It's called Forge for a Vision. And we're going to be talking about that and uh, why he wrote that and what it's a little bit of a little bit of what that is about. Uh, I just want to do a little summary for those of you who might not know, uh, and, and we'll talk a little to Rocky a little bit about uh, how he became an author. He, he never saw himself as a writer or an author necessarily. Um, something God kind of called out in him, but uh, for those who have been part of our ministry, you'll know that Rocky has written. Uh, quite a few books now. Our journey process includes uh, two of those books, Journey to the Inner Chamber uh, and The Prayer Cottage, which has, has really been embraced by a lot of men and women out there. Uh, he's also written Compelled by Grace, which was a follow-up to The Journey to the Inner Chamber, uh, continuation of the Gabe story and the, and the storyteller uh, who bought his farm. Uh, he also wrote a book called Proximity, which was uh, written for church leaders to kind of explain kind of everything that he's learned about discipleship through the years. And, uh, and then also, uh, of course, he wrote the journey manual, and, and which is the process we follow in, in the journey. So, so Rocky, uh, t- any, any comments about all the things you've written and, uh, and uh, kind of your, your role as a, as a writer at this stage in your life? Well, you know, I am amazed, actually, not about me, but about what God is able to do with me. <laughs> And uh, because I was not trained as a writer, uh, and I would say that most of my uh, writing uh, and interest uh, grew out of my journaling mm. and just the healthy reflection that I was getting out of it and how I was processing things. And, and honestly, I, I just have to say that it's just a God thing. It's God was uh, put some things in me that had to get out. And it's interesting that each one of those books were written really for a target and a message and a purpose um, to deliver something. And The Prayer Cottage was about helping people learn to have an extended time of prayer. It was written in my with the first journey group I had. I, I wrote it for those men, actually. And they were the ones that, after reading it, that, that suggested that I consider publishing it. And it, that's, when, that's when my literary career was launched, right there. And then the journey uh, was written during that year, and it had to be refined. As you know, we had to make it more user-friendly and all the other things that went along with that. And, and I've had some help in the taking um, 
the basic foundation of the journey and then putting it together that it has a, a better layout. And you've been a part of that too, Brian. So you, you and some other people have been uh, very helpful in that. The journey to the inner chamber was written to introduce the journey. Uh, and uh, it, it's interesting how that developed because uh, some people asked me, did I have a vision when I wrote that? And I, I kind of say laughingly that I couldn't have written it unless I had a vision. And, and the vision that I had was I saw the story. Um, but also uh, I knew that there was a person out there that would represent that story. Uh, I know that there are people in history that represent that story of Journey to Inner Chamber, which is a man or woman that walks so closely with Christ that, that their life uh, invites people in t to find this Jesus that, that these people are seeing. And of course, the character is Gabe, and Gabe is a metaphor for that type person we're talking about. And I've had Gabes in my life. I've read about many Gabes in history, and I know there are Gabes that are operational right now. And there have been a lot of Gabes out there that we don't read about or know about, and they're the fabric of Christianity. I think there are Gabes in us that want to get out because it's, it's that credible person that walks with Christ that is able to impact their world, and that's what Gabe represents. No flash, nothing that we would say that he is of great influence, but we understand that he is of, of an amazing influence. And you know, the, the thought process I had there was that I, I, I was in business for years. And, and I worked with some the extremely successful people. And, um, and I, I would say the world tends toward valuing a person and think of them a person of influence if they're political, if they're celebrity, if they have a lot of money, if they have prestige. That's, that's the way the world tends toward looking at a person and thinking that they're influential. And then I took that, uh, those characteristics and I compared them with Jesus. And I realized that even Jesus wouldn't measure up to that because he, he, he didn't have the money. He was not political. Uh, in, a, in his own way, he was celebrity, but he was really not that recognizable. He could walk among the crowds and a lot of times they didn't know he was there. He didn't try to distinguish himself that way and I don't think the apostles did either. I think that they did like most disciples are supposed to do and that is they try to be like Jesus. And by the way, that's what a disciple does is they try to be like Jesus. And so, you know, I began to have a new understanding of what influence is. Uh, I think influence is when, when Christ can have his way in a man's life, uh, that his life becomes moral authority to the people around him. He's credible. He's real. Not perfect. But people want to be like him. They want to find out what he knows, and they want, they want to find that themselves. So Journey to the Inner Chamber was written to convey that. 
And then, uh, believe it or not, I, <laughs> Compelled by Grace was a different title when I first wrote it, and I changed it before I published it. Uh, the title of it was Gabe's Valley because it's really a continuation of the story of Gabe, even more so. And the stories of people in that valley that they knew him and were under his influence and how they in turn became reproducers of that same influence because they found they found what, G, that, what Gabe found. They found that abiding relationship. I changed the name of it to Compel by Grace after I wrote it because it's just full of grace. It just flows through it. And you've heard me talk about grace enough to know that, that I, I feel like we can't say enough about it. And uh, it's the great enabler for us. It enables us to be the men that God has in mind. We won't get there by legalism. We won't get there by willpower. We won't get there by programs, education. We get there by relationship. And so that leads into the next book, which is called Proximity. Because if I were writing my last book, and that's, that's what I was thinking at that time, was if I were writing my last book, and, and, and honestly, at that particular time, I was thinking it might be my last book because <laughs> I had some, some physical challenges, which is you, you know. Uh, the one thing that I would, that I would uh, want to write about is that after all the years that I've been involved with churches and with uh, ministries and with discipleship, uh, a lot of failed attempts to finally finding the key that unlocks the door. That if I wanted to write a book that would be a testimony of what I believe is what is missing and what should be our target, I wrote it and it was called Proximity. And that is to help, uh, help everybody understand that it doesn't really matter what form of discipleship we use as long as it will lead to proximity with Christ. I mean, it could be a motorcycle ministry, but if it leads those people to learn to abide in the relationship with Christ, then it will produce a disciple. You know, we're sold out to the journey. We, we believe in the journey because the journey is, is vertically oriented and grace-driven. And it's centralized on that one purpose, and that is to get someone in a close proximity with Christ. We're not horizontally driven. We're not trying to work on our relationships with each other. We believe that'll come, but we, we're really driven toward this vertical perspective of seeking after that intimacy with Christ. And but I do believe that the journey is, uh, is an example of what happens when we make our efforts to take people that way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the journey. It could be anything, as long as it will take them to that place of proximity. And so that's, that's the message that I try to convey in that book, and that is, whatever you're doing, start making it about getting people into that close proximity with Christ, and it will, it will work. It will make disciples. It will be organic. It will reproduce. And so that's the message of that book. And, and, and I was correct that you wrote that really for church leaders and ministry leaders, right? Yeah, yeah. Who, who might want to know what's the theology behind this whole thing and yeah. where we're coming from. Yeah. 
And again, I'm not trying to trying to make a case for influencers. We never have tried to build this ministry. That's not that's not our our mission. Our mission is is to convey a message to the body of Christ. Our mission is to build up the kingdom of God. And you you can better believe that we want other ministries. We want churches and we want other parachurch ministries to be able to have uh, to make disciples, to evangelize, to build the body of Christ, to nurture it, protect it. We want to do that. We want to help people do that. And we're not going to hold back the secret. We're not going to hold back the message that God's given us. We're going to say, here it is. Take it. How can we help you learn it? How can we help you convey it? Because it is about the kingdom. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. And we want to be a part of that. So yeah, uh, that was that's what that book was about. So so that brings us to your most recent book, and I, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first book you were asked. You were it was a request of you to write. Yeah. The other books you were inspired and yeah. felt led, but yeah. this was kind of one. It was a request from more than one person. And yeah. So tell us about that. Well, actually, you're part of it, but it began <laughs> like this. Uh, it began uh, last year when I was asked by Pete McKenzie. Uh, to write a uh, a book on leadership, and now the reason why is because he was watching the the amazing leaders that we see that are emerging in influencers, and not only the the staff leaders that we have, but also our global board and our regional boards, but also our guides. I mean, they're just they're just I mean, it's amazing what we're seeing, and. And so his thought was, uh, you know, write a book on leadership development. Now, the problem with that is I don't think it's something, as you know, all the time I'm saying inside out, inside out, inside out versus outside in. And even in leadership development, if you think it through, you think, well, how do you develop leaders? And uh, then we start taking the responsibility to try to figure that out, don't we? (laughs) Well, let's train them. Let's inspire them. Or let's teach them something. Or let's do this, that, and the other. But here's why I truly believe this. I believe the reason why we have seen such leaders develop within influencers is because of the culture of influencers. Because our mission is not to make of them a leader. Our mission is to get them in close proximity with Christ. And it's that culture there that develops that person's leadership within a ministry. It, it activates their spiritual gifts, and whatever that is, it invites them to be a part of making disciples. So the book can be written in one page, and that is, it's all about the culture. And so maybe that's why we need to understand why I wrote the next book. Because when I was asked to write that, I began to think it through and say, well, there's elements of that that needs to be conveyed, and that is the culture. How did the culture develop? Uh, and why? Why are we? And not only what we do and how we do it, but why is influencers? So the next uh, voice I heard was uh, 
another one that says, well, Rocky, your other books were metaphors. Won't you write another metaphor? Uh, we're always interested in your in your allegories, you know, and and the and the way that you are able to write a creative story that conveys these truths, hidden truths, and and that's actually that's kind of fun for me. I get into the story and I I, I just have fun with it. Uh, but then then you came up to me and you said, Rocky, why don't you write your story? And you, you remember the first thing I said to you? Um. No one wants to hear my story? Uh, yeah, and I said, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so when you, have a, when you have an author that says, I'm not interested in the subject, it's not going to be a very good book. <laughs> and I was not interested. I really, I really was not interested. You know, I, I did, uh, I did uh, have a, a successful football career, athletic career and all that, but it was also a very poor, bad time of my life of, of pride and ego and arrogance and uh, false identity, insecurities, wounds that were covered up. And I didn't want to revisit that. Just didn't want to go back there. And there's a lot of stuff I just didn't want people to know about me. And, uh, and I said no. Not interested, but then uh, I got I got along with the Lord, and and he he wanted to say a little something different to me, and it went like this: You, uh, son, uh, you, you're looking at this thing in the wrong way. Uh, nobody wants to hear your story, but they do want to hear my story, and the story would not be about you; it would be about me, to you. And it was at that point that all of a sudden I saw it differently. And that was, okay, yes, I, I, uh, I would like to do that. I would like to be able to share how the story of God to Rocky started to unfold when I was a child and how he began to reveal himself more and more and more throughout my life and how at each intersection of our my life, which most of those intersections were very challenging, challenging times, broken dreams, broken hearts, uh, fearful times, it, it was those intersections in my life that I began to see God redirect me. Now, I didn't know this until I wrote this thing when I was 72 years old and looking back and, and I could see a life map now. I could look back and see each one of these events that, looks, that seemed so difficult, but how it redirected me. And all of a sudden, a dream that I had for years now was broken, and, and it was redirecting me. And each one of these things redirected, redirected, redirected. And, and God began to reveal to me the loving Father who was involved in my life. And, and I said, you know, I think that's the way he works with all of us. He works that way with you. He works that way with all of us, that he's showing himself to us if we could just maybe slow down long enough to look, if we could make the connection that some of our most difficult times in life is when God is really at work big time. Now, I would say that uh, 
and I have had people ask me this, Brian, if, if I could have envisioned what I'm seeing happen with influencers and with my writing and, and the ministry that I've been, uh, been just so privileged to be a part of. Could I ever have envisioned it? And I answer them pretty quick, no, I could not, because I really, I really couldn't see it, because I was more into just trying to walk with Jesus. But, but there is, there is a, a moment in time that I, I kind of did see it. And I was in my late 30s, and it was one of those extremely difficult periods of my life career-wise. Uh, and there was a dynamic period, and it was forcing me, it was just really forcing me to press closer to the Lord. And this is where I really learned to journal, I mean, big time. I mean, I was pouring myself out and, and I was talking to God and he was talking back to me and he was just walking me through, through things uh, just beautifully well. And it was, it, it was at that time that I had almost just a, a, just a quick, vague snapshot that I would be joining this sometime later in my life. And uh, yeah, Oswald Chambers has a, a devotional, My Most First Heights, which we all know, and there was one particular one that said that when God gives you a vision, he's giving you a vision of the man you'll be, not necessarily what you'll do. But it's a real vague vision, and it generally gives it to us in those special moments, you know, like mountaintop experiences. But then after he gives us the vision, he takes us off the mountain and he takes us into the valley and bounders us around. He just, in my case, forges. And that's why the, the book is called Forge for a Vision. Because I, I do look back now and I see that all of those things that were going on in the form of the challenges of trials and disappointments and everything was changing my direction. But as it changed my direction, it began to uh, reform me. And we, we, we know about how it's, uh, sometimes the metaphor is that it, we're sifted, we're pruned, uh, we're put in a furnace, we persevere, you know, all of those things we read about. It comes out gold, pure. Those are the metaphors we read about in the Bible. It is a process of purification, it's a, but it's also a process of reshaping. It, 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 it really puts into us things that we did not have and needed to be for the vision that God is going to invite us to be in later. And so that book is the story of God to this man. And the story of how he works in all of us to form us and shape us for something he has in mind. He knows the plans for us, and they are good. And you know, sometimes our, our life will, will, uh, it will bleed into other people. And in this particular case, God allowed me to be at the, at the forefront of the development of influencers. And now we've seen similar life stories such as yours, and such as many of our other guys that have come into this ministry. Um, 
And I think that I'm just one of the beginning bunch, but I think we're going to have a lot more men that will be formed and forged for uh, this ministry and developing it and taking it forward. The story in that book is, is don't despair when you're going through the forge because God has a plan. His plan is good. And we have to learn to trust Him. And hopefully, whoever reads that book, whatever stage of life they're in, whether they're in the furnace or not, that they will look at that and they'll realize that God has a plan for them and to trust Him. And I think more men like myself who are older men who have seen God faithfully, faithfully take us through life, we need to be giving a testimony. And that's what that book is. It's a testimony of what God has done. Not only for me, but also, also in the development of influencers. Hmm. So what would be your hope? I, I know, Rocky, about you is that you're not about selling books. I mean, you're just not about trying to punt, punt, put, push a bunch of books out there. Mm-hmm. You're just a messenger, as you said. Uh, of course, we want people to buy them so they can, you know, be blessed by them, you know. Yeah. Um, but what's your hope for someone who picks up that book? What, what's your kind of your prayer for them as they as they read that book? <laughs> well, it's uh, interesting. I recently I've had a friend said he wants to write a book or he's maybe a, being a part, process, a part of, of the process of writing a book. And I asked him, why do you want to write a book? He said, I don't know. I just told him I need to write a book. And, and I told him, I said, you don't need to write a book until you know why you need to write a book. And I think that you have to answer that why question before you ever write a book. Now, you can answer it by saying, well, I want to make a, a lot of money. Well, that's one reason why people write books. Uh, I want to be celebrity. Well, that's another reason why people write books. I want to be recognized. That's why they write books. But occasionally you have somebody say, well, I got a message. And God wants me to get it. And there's some people out there that are wanting to hear it. And I'm writing that book uh, to them. So every one of these books that have been written, the why I write them is because I feel like it, God has given me that um, gift, um, which I have to be a steward of. But he's given me a, a message that I have to share. I, I can't hold it back. And so each one of these books is just a different way of saying the same thing, though, because there's not much difference. It's all about proximity with Christ. It's all about abiding in Christ. It's, uh, it's just trying to prove the point, uh, to make the case and so that it will, it will create a compelling argument for somebody to say, yes, I agree. That's, that's good. Well, and, and for all of you out there, I will tell you that I have read the book. I was privileged to get to read one of the early copies of it, and, and you did accomplish that. I, you, uh, you'll be inspired if you read this book. You'll, you'll love learning a little bit more about Rocky and his, his upbringing in the South and how he became uh, a football player and, at Ole Miss and just a lot of interesting stories well, that you may not know about, about Rocky. But, 
but I, I, I think you've accomplished the goal of pointing it back to Christ and bringing him glory. As a matter of fact, that was my, the title I was suggesting to Rocky was uh, calling it Glory to Glory. Because at one time, maybe it was about your glory, the glory days of football, but now it's about his glory. And that's an appropriate title, but I think yours is probably better for it's for a vision. Well, I would have, I would have not named it Glory to Glory. I would have named it Shame to Glory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yes, there was glory uh, as far as the accolades, but there was a lot of shameful life, mm. and um, yeah. Well, uh, that about wraps up our time for today. But I, th- so the book is called Forge for a Vision. It's now available on our website, uh, influencers.org. Uh, encourage you to to get a copy and maybe maybe give it as a Christmas gift or, or read it over the holiday break or whatever. But we'd love to get that out to you. Um, again, it's uh, influencers.org. And, and again, if you'd like to send us a question about future podcasts, we have an email address, podcastquestions at influencers.org. But uh, we're really enjoying these conversations. We hope you are. And uh, so we just thank you for joining us today. We just want to say have a blessed day and keep abiding out there. <laughs>